Hey, everybody. I wrote a book. I'm super excited and I'd love for you to check it out. No Longer Denying Sexual Abuse, Making the Choices That Can Change Your Life is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Goodreads, anywhere that you read a book. So please check it out. And I've also launched my 21-week series, No Longer Abused, which is free. All you have to do is buy a copy of the book. For more information, go to nolongerdenyingsexualabuse.com and sign up for one or all of the 21-week series. And now, on to our guest. I'm a writer. I love writers and I coach writers. So it makes sense that I'd interview writers from all areas, blogging, TV, film, songwriting, podcasting, but also the new writers, the first timers that did it, that took the plunge because at one point they heard from someone, you should write a book about that. I love to have my book clients on my show, especially the ones that are willing, but also a little reticent. Angie Wisdom is good at everything she does, whether it's speaking or owning a global investment firm. So her MO with my book writing was even if she was worried at all about being an author, she wasn't going to complain. She was definitely going to push through. She's methodical. She's purposeful. And she's a master certified coach, which of course is going to be incorporated in her first book, The Non-Negotiable You. She's going to bring that into her practice, but she's also going to serve the thousands of people who are going to eventually read this book that cannot get on her calendar. Today, her book is almost ready to be released. It's a game changer learning how to trust yourself, which is something that is really master level in the human condition. Angie, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thanks, Kim. I'm excited to be here with you. So you were not a writer when you came to me. What was your earliest memory about the writing journey being kind of a big deal? And what surprised you the most? Yeah, I definitely was not a writer. I actually, one of the reasons why I wanted to write a book was because I continually said, I am not a writer. And as soon as I knew that was a huge block and challenge for me, I was like, I must write a book. Um, So I just knew that if I was going to do it, I needed somebody that would really, really be able to guide me and help me through the process. And I think my earliest memory was just that first call with you, you know, when we did our VIP day, actually, if you back up the kind of intro call I even had with you, you just had this confidence and we're like, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You're going to be fine. You're going to do it. It was just like total assurance. And I was like, Okay, you know, but then it really locked in when we had our VIP session because I went, oh my gosh, I really do have a book here. Like, we're actually going to put this debt together and make this make sense. So, that's definitely kind of that moment that I got those butterflies and goosebumps and knew it was all going to happen. Yeah. And I, and I feel like with you, you exuded that confidence, whether you knew it or not, about the book Mm. right away. But like I said in my open, you come to the table already having that energy of, I got this. And I know that there were some times through the process where you were you know, honest with me and you were like, I don't really know if I 100% have this. Tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. that. Was that... And, and I remember you regrouping with yourself, like you had learned how to regroup. What was like that first regrouping like for you with your content? 
Yeah. You know, I, I think for me, part of the process was, I don't, if anyone knows what the Enneagram is, I lean a little bit towards a reformer, which is basically like, right and wrong, you know, and the writing process is not like that. So as I was going through it with you, it's like, I didn't want anything to not feel 100% right as soon as I put it on paper and, (laughs) or, you know, or typed it in. It was just like, how do I get these words out right, right out of the gate? And that is just not the way writing works. So I think when I would stumble and come to you, it was kind of like, it's not just coming out perfectly the way it's supposed to. And that right. is like, that's really bugging me. And, you know, I mean, we'll probably talk about this too. I I, I kind of gave some crap writing in the beginning because it yes. was like, I then went through this phase where I was like, well, whatever, just get it out there. I was just like better than nothing. So it kind Regurgitate. of evolved, right? Yes. And it was like, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. And then once I started to kind of get this flow of the process and go, okay, it's not going to be perfect. It doesn't have to be this bad though. Let's level it up. You know, you kind of <laughs> take yourself through this process to get into your flow of it and it works. Yes. I do remember and it was around the second draft when you started to take ownership of sentences. You'd be like, Ugh. oh, that sentence is just what was I thinking? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, well, don't yeah. be that hard on yourself. You're like, no, no, no. I should be better at this by now. And I was like, who got into this draft and wrote this crap? You know, it's like, <laughs> did you do that? I didn't do this, did I? <laughs> yeah, there were definitely but, some moments there where I was like, oh my gosh, I must have been trying to meet my deadline here. <laughs> <laughs> but you, at the end of the day, you really rose to the occasion in the book that you have that the the final draft that I read mm-hmm. um, was amazing and the flow. Mm-hmm. And we're going to We're going to talk about that flow today, but so you bring into the book a few stories about yourself, mainly talking about how inauthentic you once were in your life in the financial sector. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you were, you looked good on paper, but like, and you know, so you looked successful, but you really felt like you were just dialing it in. What is that pivot that the reader is going to take and experience in your book where they identify, oh, I'm successful, but I'm not really tapping into my full potential? Yeah, it's that all of a sudden that awareness where you're going, I'm successful, but I'm successful showing up as a version that I think people want to see me as. And eventually you run into this point where you're like, I'm tired of putting on this alter ego. I'm tired of putting on the skin suit to go do my job. And I literally had this conversation with a client yesterday. And I mean, he's he's 36 and he's like, oh my God, I've been acting the way people have wanted me to show up for years. And mm. you, when you realize that, you're like, oh, and, and he has such great words. He goes, why am I like dimming my light? Why am I not showing up as the highest version of myself? And that's what authenticity is, right? That is your highest version. So when you shut that version down and you go, well, this is really what people want to see, you are so selling yourself short. And you really will are. never, ever, ever tap into your full potential that way. Because the gifts that you have, all that you have to share with people, that does not come out until you are truly authentic with who you are. 
Yes, it's very true. And, you know, one of the terms for that is called code switching, where people mm-hmm. behave one way at work and one way at home or yeah. one way with a certain group of peers and one way with another group of peers. And it's exhausting. It's like, why it can't is. we just work on ourselves, find what our greatest lane is and ride in it? And unfortunately, there might be people that aren't down with what we have to give and they might not be our tribe, right? That's just the right. Ri- like it's a risk. But it's it's actually a good risk because you're getting to who you want to be. It really is. But, you know, we're conditioned, right, as human to, like, want to be accepted, to want to be liked. So our minds automatically focus on, okay, well, who do I have to be in order to be, like, accepted? And, it, like I said, it, it really sells yourself short. And it's why people always want to retire. I mean, quite honestly, you know, like I, I can't wait till I'm done with this job. You know, I can't wait till I don't have to wear the suit anymore. I can't wait till I don't have to, you know, kiss up to these people. And it's like, why are you doing any of that? Right. You know? Right. And and I think then you could maybe find something that really inspires you and do it until you're 80. Do it until you yes. die. A lot of times people yes. retire and they're like, oh, thank God I'm done. And then they die like two years later. Yeah. You're like, well, that was <laughs> that that was a rough life for you. Um, right. Right. Well, what I love about your book is the responsibility piece that you bring in. It really struck me when you were writing about this and you're really on fire about it when you hit upon it. I remember the day that you hit upon on it. And how did like how did responsibility actually become a chapter in the book and why is it so key that people get responsible about their destiny? Yeah, it's kind of making me laugh thinking about it because you said you were so on fire with it and I think I remember you being like, okay, you got to tone it down. Don't, you know what I mean? You can't go after people like this. <laughs> you know because I so <laughs> wanted to like drive this point home of like You guys have got to take responsibility for what you want. You know, you want joy. It's your responsibility. You want this job. You want the success. And it's just so important because once you understand that you have choices and that you have the power to take that responsibility, oh my gosh, so much changes. But the natural kind of default mindset always puts something else at kind of the reason, the excuse, right? You know, well, Somebody said this to me, or, you know, my alarm didn't go off or, you know, whatever it may be. And every time we do that, we basically avoid that responsibility. It's true. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, this is a discussion for another time, but actually writing a book about financial independence in a, in a kind Mm. of offhanded way. And one of my chapters is called stop making excuses because women will say, how did you get to homes? And I'll be like, well, I did. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. It's like, well, I don't know. You asked me Mm -hmm. how, and that's like what you're teaching in your book. Like, do you, if you want your life to start with you, and we're going to talk about your mind, your mindset journal in a minute. But like, yeah. if you want your life to start with you, you've got to go through some of these experiences that you're suggesting and do the work to actually show up as this authentic person. Now, mindset is definitely a buzzword, right? Like everybody's talking mm-hmm. about their mindset, you know, and that we have to adjust it. And you tell the reader for them to have awareness of their thoughts, which is the foundation for mastering their mindset. How do you trust what in your mind is your friend and what is your foe? You first, you don't have the trust. And and that's what this process builds with you because you don't have this relationship yet with yourself where you can really 
gauge, like, am I being honest or not? You know, is this an excuse? So you have to build that. But in the beginning, when you start really mastering your mindset, it's a matter of simply filtering from a place of, does this serve me or not? Wow. That's where you can kind of check that, you know, oh, I don't feel like, you know, reaching out for business development today. Okay. Does that thought serve you or not? Mm. It's as simple as that right now. You don't have to worry about whether you can trust it. Just ask if it serves you. And if it doesn't, then it's your responsibility, right? To go, what thought is going to serve me? But after time of building this relationship with yourself and showing up as the non-negotiable you, you will find that like you have that trust. If I say that I don't feel well enough to get up and go to the gym, I darn well don't feel well. And I don't think twice about that. And that is so, gosh, it's so comforting to know that like I can guide myself and trust myself with decisions like that. And the word that comes to my mind is confidence, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know that when I have a value and I have an intention and I have a purpose, and then I say to somebody, you know, I'm not going to do that today. You know, I'm going to do this instead. And then I still sometimes get that feeling of like, well, maybe you should, or why aren't you Mm -hmm. or whatever. And you have to stand in that power until it becomes a muscle of being confident that this is what I know is right for me and I'm going to be okay with it. And it's all going to be fine. Yeah. That muscle, like building it up and, and you start to see it and you know, and you become that best guide and navigator of yourself. You do. You do. So let's, let's talk more about self-trust because Mm. I don't think that it's, you know, we're not going to be able to cover the magnitude of this in just a short podcast, which is Mm -hmm. why everybody's going to need to, you know, read your book and why everybody's going to need to buy your journal. And we're going to talk about how many times I've done your journal, But so you trust yourself and you do your values and then you commit to yourself, but then you're also aware of some of the pitfalls of your behavior, right? Which is pleasing others or procrastinating. What do you, how do you trust yourself while you're doing some of those behaviors like procrastinating? Because it's all not going to go away in one day. It's bringing in that conscious thought and awareness in the autopilot version of yourself. You don't question any of that. You fall into procrastination and you don't even wonder why it just happens. Okay. When you have this practice of constantly tuning into yourself on a daily basis and showing up as this non-negotiable version, when you start to procrastinate, you ask questions. Okay. Well, why am I putting Mm. this off? You know, what's causing this for me? Do I not have enough time? Does this feel too big? Is it just not important right now? But you get into kind of talking back to yourself so that you can get to the root of really what's going on. And in the end, like if I get to a place and I'm like, I just don't really want to do this right now. It's not necessary. I have more time. Okay, fine. Then then I can give myself that space to do it because I trust that I'm going to do it eventually. But it is having that dialogue with yourself and that relationship where you will ask the questions to get the clarity to make the right choice. It's beautiful because the best relationship you're going to have is with yourself. You know, you come into this world alone and you're going to go out of this world alone, regardless of whether you believe in God or a higher spirit Mm -hmm. or something else. Mm -hmm. I don't care how long you've been married. I don't care how many kids you have. I don't care how many friends you have. Ultimately, you have to watch out for yourself in a healthy way, in a really healthy way. And I like how what you described is we're not labeling ourselves, right? Like, cause that's, Mm -mm. that's, you know, self-defeating. I'm a procrastinator. That must be why I'm not doing this versus getting curious 
which is so productive. And it not even like self-defeating, but also it's an excuse. You know, like it is amazing the bucket of excuses that we have to pull from. (laughs) I mean, it really is. It's like they are right there. I tell my client, that one's right there in your pocket for you. You can pull it if you want to use it, but it is not going to do you any good. And procrastination is another excuse. You know, I'm a procrastinator. So you're basically giving yourself the excuse to wait. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you have that bucket of excuses with your clients. They must be (laughs) shaking, shaking in their shoes when you walk into their office. But (laughs) yeah, I don't want to say this. I know what you're going to say when I say this. I'm like, well, throw it at me, you know? (laughs) That's fantastic. And I mean, I think it's true. It's not, you don't have, I wouldn't say it's tough love because you are a very loving, caring person. I would just say, though, that you are saying to people that come to you or that read this book, like, do you want a better life or not? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just really a bottom line. I mean, do you want it or not? Because if you don't want it, there's a million things you could do to fill in the gaps that'll work for a little while, but ultimately they're not going to solve anything, right? Like if you go to get surfing lessons... So you don't have to think about the other things you want to change in your life. That's not the best way to go. But if you cha- if you get surfing lessons because you've realized that you're spending way too much time at the office and you want to have better tracks in your life, that's taking care of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that tough love. Several of my clients have in- embraced this theme around me. They say, you listen like a mom and you deliver like a dad. And <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it really is. It's just it's like, great. If you want it, you want it, you know, let's get it. Let's do it. But if you don't, that's a choice too. take responsibility for your choices. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's why we get along so well, because people Mm -hmm. that work with me always say, you know, oh God, I was scared, scared about what Kim was going to say when I didn't deliver the chapter and you meet me and I'm one of the like nicest people in the whole world. But at the end of the day, (laughs) my job is to make sure that book gets written in a timely fashion. Right. And like you, do you want it or not? I mean, because if you don't want it, like we don't have, you know, it's you, you're here for a reason. So let's talk about your companion journal to the book. A lot of times people will, most of the time, in fact, write the book and then do the journal. But Mm -hmm. when you came to me, you had the morning mindset journal start with you. And like I just mentioned, I have done this journal three times over. I did it every single day. I had so many epiphanies and uncomfortable awarenesses about myself that I wasn't particularly that Mm. happy about, but also (laughs) I was grateful at the same time, which kind of made it better. When did you know the journal had to be a book? I kept getting calls and messages from people who would, I mean, first to back up, I created the journal for my clients in mind, right? It was, these are the things that you need to do on a daily basis that are going to help us get what we want. It's the things that I've seen over the past 25 years working with people, what constantly gets in the way. So I had reversed engineered all of these obstacles that are guaranteed to show up for you and said, Mm -hmm. if you work on them proactively, you're going to avoid them and proactively, you know, miss them. So I created it really for my clients. And what happened was my clients loved it and they started giving it to people. They started gifting it and they started sharing it. And the people who'd have the journal would be like, can I ask you a question about the mindset piece? Can I ask you a question about, you know, my values? So I knew I was like, gosh, I'm shortchanging people. You know, they have this journal 
and they can use it and it's doing great things for them. But if I gave them the foundational pieces that really go along with it, that my coaching clients got to experience, it would exponentially change the results that they were getting. And that's when I knew I was like, I got to give everybody who has the journal this same information and power. Yeah, it's true. And and you can't keep telling people the longer version of your journal verbally every time. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I mean, you could make a video, but like that still doesn't doesn't cut the mustard. And that's what's so great about a book. And then what happened was I think you came to the table and correct me if I'm wrong, but you came to the table wanting to expand what was exactly in the mindset journal and then found some of these other pieces that were unexpected chapters that were not like responsibility, like authenticity, that weren't like actually in the journal as a laid out section, right? Yeah, they're, they're like the underlying why for those pieces. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, why do you need to be intentional? Why do you need gratitude? I can give you a chapter just on being grateful and having gratitude. But if you don't understand how that affects your mindset and the underlying concept, you're going to be a lot less likely to practice gratitude. Same with intentions, visualization, all of that. Like people needed to understand here's the real purpose behind it and why I need to tune into that every day. Yes. And I am one of those kinds of people that I roll at these kinds of journals, which Mm -hmm. is why I had never done one. And then when I did yours, I was like, this is like the magnum cum laude of journals. This is like (laughs) the real deal. (laughs) I'm like, this is, there's no messing around in this. This isn't like pretty flowers and like Mm. write a poem. This is like, are you ready to have a day? What are you going to do about it? And then yeah. Then you have also the end of the day, the reflection, right? So you bookend it. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, the reflection is really that coach, that accountability and that, you know, recap of like, did you do what you say you were going to do? Did you find joy in your day? You know, did you take responsibility for that? Are you present enough to capture those wins? And what did you learn? You know, if we go through every day of our life and never really reflect How do we learn? How do we grow? So I put that in there so that people really have that opportunity. And it's probably my favorite part of it because I love every day of going like, okay, what got in the way? If something got in the way for me, I want to know what to do. And that was huge in my writing process, as you know, figuring out what got in the way. Well, the TV Mm -hmm. was too loud. You know, it was like, whatever, just figure (laughs) out why I can't get this done. It's huge. It's funny. I'm laughing over here because... I have clients that post their morning mindset journal online and then I'll notice like that section's not filled out. And then I'm like DMing and I'm like, why isn't your reflection filled out? That is a very important piece of this puzzle, you know? So I tell people all the time, you can do your reflection in the morning as well, you know, on the next day. So it doesn't feel like a morning and a night thing too. Right. And that's similar to what I would text you and say, I'm not seeing any chapter work done yet. You're like, I'm on it. (laughs) <laughs> be like six yeah. in the morning. I'm on. I'm, right. I'm doing. I'm doing it right now. Oh yeah. I'd be like yeah. okay. I found, <laughs> I found my four a.m. time was my best writing time, and I, and I have to comment on you in the journal because I remember so vividly when we had that first call. And I was like, I wrote a journal, and you're like, great, mm-hmm, okay. You know, like it was just <laughs> like your lack of excitement around a journal. 
And I was like, no, it's really good. It's it's really good. You're going to like it. And you're like, mm-hmm. and then when you started it, I remember all the stuff that came up and, you know, it was so fun seeing you go through that process right. and really going, okay, now I get it. I get it. I see what you're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly how I was. And so, and also I think an important thing about the journal was the timeframes, right? Mm-hmm. So how, what happens when people do the journal every day for six months? At that six month mark, you've really formulated this relationship with yourself where you are getting into that trust, where you are truly creating like this is what I want in my day. This is what's going to fill me up. And I'm taking responsibility for getting it. So you really come to a new level with yourself and you start to clear out all the external noise. And as you do that, you find that you have so much space, space and clarity. And when people want to tap into their higher level of success and achieve more, you know, just live differently, we need that space. We need that clarity in order to find the opportunities, in order to dream. So that's really kind of where we're going for, you know, you do it in the beginning and you start to feel like, I've done something for myself and this feels great and it feels purposeful, but it just grows and expands the longer that you're doing it. I mean, I've been doing it every single day for years. So people go, it doesn't get old, doesn't get tiring. And I'm like, having a say in my day? No, that does not get tiring (laughs) to me. I like to have a say in what happens in my day. Right. And it works because you are very consistent. You're a very consistent poster on all your social media. You're very consistent Mm. in your messaging. You're very consistent in your life. So you're an author now. Yeah. How does that feel for you? And what kind of advice would you give to anyone that's looking to consider writing a book? It feels amazing. It still doesn't feel quite true yet because the book is officially out on June 15th. So I've got a little bit of time here. But it was soon, though. I know it's really soon. I'm writing that down, June fifteenth. Write it down. Okay, and everybody that's listening, whether you hear this Mm -hmm. then or later, her book is coming. Yes, June fifteenth. It'll be available. And I remember, like when it was finally done, that it had such a sense of just accomplishment, and I was Mm -hmm. literally so proud of myself and. I think we don't get those moments that often where you truly feel like, wow, I am genuinely so proud. Not like good job, but like so proud because I had to dig so deep to create this. And I was so determined to create something that was impactful and meaningful for people, Mm -hmm. not just right to right. So there was a great deal of pride and accomplishment in that. And I'm so excited to write another book, surprisingly, you know, I thought. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I say that it's because always... it was a lot of work, but <laughs> it was fun. It was really, really great. And so I can't wait to do it again. And I would say if you're thinking about writing a book, I truly don't know if I could have ever how I would have done it on my own. So it would have never happened if we didn't work together. And I recommend that, you know, you have to find someone to work with and the way you get involved and kind of like take on your client's book is so amazing. It's not just like, oh, here. Yeah. I mean, and I genuinely mean that because there's a lot of people out there that'll help you write a book. A lot of people that will, you know, edit or review or whatever, but I don't know. There's this old TV show where like, I can't even think the name of it, but this guy would like step into a life, you know, and take on that identity. And I think about that with you. I'm like, you're like 
You know, I'm living the morning mindset routine. Oh, I'm an olive oil taster. Oh, I'm a binge eater. You know, like you have to get in and, and assume these identities of like every book that you work it's with true. a client. And I'm it's like, so true. you live like the wildest life, you know? I am like a shapeshifter. It's really true. You are. I am like a yeah. But I love it. And I always say, I always have a book client come to me exactly where I'm at in my life, right? Yes, because yes. I need it. That's something I yep. need or something I'm going to give that I experienced that they yeah. now are walking through that I can hold space for them to. And I bring like either a curiosity and like a, wow, that's so amazing. Yeah. Or I bring like, you know, experience or, or knowledge, but thank you very much. And I felt emotional when you were saying you were super excited about your book. It's like, I do feel so your your arc from where you started to where you are today is amazing. Mm, and it's really you. not been that long a period of Mm-mm. time to go from a just an I'm going to do this to now sitting there and going, my book, my actual book, that's going to yeah. look good. It's going to read good. It's going to sell well. That's coming out in June. Mm. That's really, really exciting. Well, it's been an absolute joy working with you. It's hard to believe we we worked together starting in 2021. I know it's a process. I know it is. It is a process. And for anybody that thinks that might be a long period of time, for those of you that are dragging your feet and it's been 10 years, you've been thinking about a book. Angie got it going and got it done from beginning to end in two years. It'll be two years total, which Mm -hmm. isn't a lot of time at all. If you think Mm -hmm. about it, going from not really knowing what you're doing till, till now, what is the overall 100? Like if you had a dream of what this book's going to do out in the world, what would it be? Oh gosh. I mean, I can throw out a crazy number and say, I hope it changes a million lives, but I really hope that it, even for the people who don't read it, they experience somebody who has read it and are inspired by those people's actions. I truly believe that we were meant to live life to the highest ability. I don't say tap and, you know, perform to your highest abilities. I want you to live to your fullest potential. And, you know, when people are out in the world living to their fullest potential, that just feels different. You know, I want to walk among a bunch of people who are living to their fullest potential. And yes. it's selfishly kind of why I wrote the book, right? If I <laughs> walk around all these people who are living their fullest potential, oh my gosh, what a different world we would have. So I, I hope that it inspires and impacts people and changes lives. And again, even for those who don't read it, that they experience somebody who has and are inspired mm-hmm. and changes a little bit in their life too. I love that. Yes, let's go for those million people. And also mm-hmm. generationally, right? We are the Gen Xers, mainly, uh, you know, we have some, you know, hopefully Gen Zs will read it, etc. But yeah. of the Gen Xers, like we have a chance to change how our kids, or even if you're not a parent, how the children you influence or the young adults you yeah. influence, how they think. And that's really important because I know that I sometimes get some eye rolls for my teenagers where I'm like, go for your greatest intention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. yeah. But it's, it like, is what? sinking in because then I see evidence. I see yeah. evidence. Thank you for yeah. doing this. Thank you for bringing this out in the world and um, look forward to having your book come out. Thanks, Kim. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. We love reviews. If you enjoyed our show, 
head over to your platform of choice to drop a review, share with a friend, or even better, if you want to write a book, be in touch. You can find us at kimohara.com.